The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth on your own recovery journey. Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner and be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you. Today's show is titled, Imagine That. When we first get into addiction recovery, it can be hard to imagine a life without a drink or a drug. It may seem like our life is over and we'll never have fun again, but nothing could be further from the truth. We soon begin to learn that there is a new way of being in the world that is far better than our old habits. Today, we want to share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from a dull existence to the life that you want to live through the spiritual power of imagination. So we want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. Today we're going to be talking about moving from a dull existence to the life we want to live through the power of imagination. When I think about what did a dull existence look like for me, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that old analogy of the boiled frogs. Yeah. I did read somewhere that it's not literally true that oh. a frog will jump out of the water. Well, that's good to know. But, <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but the, the, the idea remains, the reason that it's a a popular meme and the idea that when things when conditions change slowly right they can be hard for us to detect and we just sit there until it's far too late well that's a really good description of my drinking career you know I had the uh, the slow burn variety I drank for almost 30 years and it took that long you know for me to get to the point where I realized that um things were falling apart and it was time for me to find a new way to live and so a dull existence in the later years of my um, drinking career uh, you know I'd I'd heard I'd heard this wonderful um, way of describing 
recovery community meetings and and because at first you know sometimes some of us are like oh man you mean I have to go to these meetings for the rest of my life that kind of thing and and someone described it as it's it's the reverse of the process that got us there it's like I'll just use drinking because that was me but you can sub anything in here um you know at first I did it because it was fun and then I did it because uh, it was a habit and then I did it because I had to right and and meetings the same first you do it because you have to and then it becomes a habit and then you do it because it's fun yeah that's <laughs> great I don't enough. think I've ever heard that I I have found that to be absolutely true and uh and I love that about it so the reason I'm saying that is that that part of our addiction career near the end where at least for me you know I was doing it not because it was fun not even almost because it was a habit because I had to you know it's a definition of of addiction and that's not that's not fun no you know it wasn't it 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 was just uh an adult dull is a good word because my mind was dulled and I didn't know it that's the you know, put, put that little asterisk comment down below any, everything that I say. And I had no idea what was going on. That's one of the worst things about addiction or what, what can make it so difficult, right? Is that we, as the person in it, I can't see it. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I think about dull existence, boiled frogs. Yeah. Drinking because I had to. Now, if you're in a place where they eat frogs, that's a whole different conversation, but. Right. (laughs) So thinking about my uh, pre-sobriety life as a dull existence is kind of weird because it certainly wasn't dull and it didn't seem dull to me at the time. I thought I was having a big old time, you know, because I didn't get to that point. I was still in the, you know, in the part where it, it was mostly a lot of fun, although it definitely wreaked a lot of havoc and drama in my life for sure, yeah. but it wasn't dull. Um, but what was dull about it was that um, I didn't want to do anything that didn't involve drinking. And so I missed out on a lot of fun, enriching, friendship building, uh, you know, opportunities and activities that I didn't want to partake in because it didn't involve drinking. And so, and I didn't realize that until later, you know, that um, while I was busy sitting at the bar, um, you know, I was in graduate school when I got sober. So I'm thinking of the context of graduate school. My classmates were all doing all these fun things together and forming these deep and lasting friendships. And now all these years later, I see like on Facebook, you know, they still have these deep bonds and I go, God, how come, I mean, I had friends and everything, but I didn't have those deep lasting bonds with people. And it was because I was not investing the time in it because I was too busy drinking. Um, so that's what I see as dull about it is that um, I was limiting, I was, I was making my world small in a lot of ways and I was limiting um the things that I could do or wanted to do or wanted to pursue the activities I wanted to pursue because I only wanted to do things that involved drinking. So, um, yeah, I was missing out on a lot. That's dull. Makes perfect sense to me. 
I don't see the problem at all. <laughs> of course, what else would we do? Right. Um, another thing that comes to mind when I think about dull existence is it was absolutely the case. And, you know, this is a chicken and egg thing and you'll know what I'm talking about. So I had anywhere from like mild to moderate depression on and off through the whole time. I mean, that I, I, I can't say that um, the drinking caused the depression, but it, it certainly, I believe now was an attempt to uh, mediate the depression, which ironically contributes to the depression in a in a sort of a vicious cycle yeah right so a dull dull existence the the dullness is the down part now this does not happen to me um nearly as much the, the whole character of it's changed it's not like i'm immune to feeling down in some of the same ways what's what's remarkably different and it, and it makes all the difference in the world is that I don't get as down and I don't get down for as long. Yeah. And that's, that might sound like it's not much, but I'm telling you, it's, it's taken 80% of the pain out yeah. of this, you know, this experience that I've had for most, if not all my life of just, uh, you know, what we would call depression, mild yes. to, me, mm-hmm. to moderate, you know, I, I never had severe depression and so i can't really speak to that but i have had sort of um free-floating anxiety and um at at minimum a mild depression uh, all the way up to the point where you know i could i could do what i absolutely had to do show up at work Mm -hmm. i might not do much when i'm at work but at least i could show up and um you know and just sitting in an experience of um i don't know you know how how do you describe depression so if you're listening you know what i'm talking about if you've had it i don't need to describe it. you know exactly what i'm talking about well so that was a part of my dull existence and that you know that took time that didn't instantly that did not instantly go away when i quit drinking but i got on the right path when i quit drinking and that path led to uh, what i could only call a massive reduction in that experience in my life. Again, I would never claim that it never happens or to be cured of it, but I'm telling you what, if, if it was a volume knob and it was on eight, now it's on 1.5. Mm. That's not a problem for me at all. 1.5 yeah. is no problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have the same thing. I think so many of us in addiction recovery of all sorts of addictions um, have that have depression of various sorts. Um, I'm like you, I have mostly the mild to moderate low grade um, variety. And I think that it's so many of us are trying, we're trying to self-medicate, you know, just not wanting to feel that. And it's ironic that when we're depressed, we use a depressant to treat the depression. I think it's just because alcohol is so widely available and easy to get. And that sounds um, like a solution a drunk would come up with. Yeah, it does, right? (laughs) But the thing is, is it does, you know, basically, if you were like me, I just didn't want to feel what I was feeling. So anything different than that, you know, alcohol was numbing, it was, uh, you know, I could detach from myself and not feel those things. And, um, and so it worked, but probably, ultimately, um, exacerbated things, or at the very least, what it does, or what it did for me was, um, I didn't know I had depression, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, aware of it. I wasn't, you know, 
I wasn't learning ways to cope with it because I was using alcohol to cope with it. And so now, you know, I still get it and I still have to manage it. I do a lot of things on a daily basis to manage it. But um, at least I'm experiencing it because that's what allows me to work through it and find ways to manage it. Whereas if I'm always masking it with something, then I'm not dealing with it at all, right? So, um, you know, it's still, yeah, it's just, it's ironic because, um, and I wonder, I don't know, you know, any facts about what alcohol does, you know, does it actually make our depression worse? I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I kind of feel like we did what we had to do to survive, right? I know that was the truth for me. Um, alcohol, you know, at the same time that caused me problems probably also saved my life, right? So um, it was a coping thing. Um, it is a coping thing for a lot of folks. And it, it does the trick at the time, you know, it does what it needs to do for us to survive, um, but is not ultimately a very good long term solution. So uh, I think depression is something that so many of us deal with. And, you know, people may have severe depression, uh, you know, the can't get out of bed kind, or may have more like what you and I are talking about, just kind of, you know, mine comes and goes definitely seems to be a little bit cyclical. Um, but it's just something that I've had to learn to manage. And um, yeah, just part of being being alive and being awake and being mindful and being aware of my feelings, you know, um, at least now with the awareness, I know I've learned that I can know, okay, I'm having a little bit of depression right now. You know, I'm, I, do you see what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm connected yeah. to it and I can, and I, and I also know that it won't last forever. So I tell myself, okay, this sucks. I hate feeling like this here. It is, you know, it's not going to last forever. Um, let's kick into high gear all the things we do to manage it or or sometimes let me just hang on and just ride it out it's that knowing it's not going to be forever but when I was drinking I didn't have any of that experience because I was detached from all of it so yeah no I hear you and what do we say it works till it doesn't right you know with our coping behavior alcohol in this case what you and I are it works until we have something better you know which yeah. is recovery and and i i'm compelled to say because it's important to me to tell the whole truth and not to imply that i have some magical abilities or anything so not, not only did i quit drinking got into recovery worked a program uh, in a very dedicated manner you know i did what we do and i did the very best i could um i also am on to this day on medication for uh for depression as well and i've been in weekly psychological counseling for 11 years yeah every week yeah and so the it's not just like i quit drinking and and sat in meetings and everything got better no i did a lot of things that both in the rooms and outside the rooms to support a healthier way of being and and the, the the conclusion is still the same it works it has worked and it does work Yes. Well, let's shift gears here. We've talked a lot about the challenge of adult existence. And as always, we want to move out of the problem and into the solution. So what is the solution? Well, in unity, as always, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. 
And our Unity co-founder, Charles Fillmore, as we know, developed a set of 12 spiritual principles that he called the 12 powers. These are 12 spiritual abilities that we all have and that we can learn to use more effectively in our spiritual growth. And so the ability, the power that leads us out of that dull life and into the life that we want to live is our very creative power, our power of imagination. And that's what we want to focus on today. But as always with these powers and many of the principles that we discussed, uh, the power of imagination can mean different things to different people. And so we want to uh, get into what does that mean for us? So uh, what, what comes to mind for you? Reverend Michelle, about the power of imagination. Um, okay, so, gosh, the first thing is that, you know, maybe because it's the first sun, the first week of Advent, and um, hope is the theme for this week, and I preached on that on Sunday, I'm thinking a lot about hope, and I'm thinking that imagination and hope kind of go together for me, because imagination is the ability to believe that things could be better for me. It's, it's a type of hope, a type of faith. It's, um, it's the capacity of my brain to imagine a better future for myself, to imagine that even though things might be difficult right now with whatever thing I'm currently struggling with, imagination is that ability of my brain to conceive of something better and greater. And if I didn't have that, you know, we can't create what we can't even conceive of right? And so that ability to imagine a better life, a better situation, a better, you know, whatever it is, um, is really, I think, a key part of imagination to me. And in that way, is very connected to hope. You know, if I couldn't imagine a better future, I would have no hope, right? Yeah, totally. I, I see that. I agree. So the the power of imagination in the Unity 12 Powers framework is defined as the ability to conceptualize and envision a different future. And that's a very compact and clear definition, I think. Conceptualize and envision. And I like the word envision. I like the concept of holding a vision yeah. of something. You know, it's holding, holding the experience of it in mind as the beginning and an ongoing part of um, creating the conditions under which it becomes our mm -hmm. reality in the, in the material realm. So I'm uh, always recall with this, the very uh, opening of the Hebrew Bible, Genesis one, right? It, it, it reads in the beginning, God created, right? Or, depending on the translation, it might be when God created. But the point is that right out of the gate, right, there's this thing called God, and what God has done is created the world as we understand the world. Now, we are not uh, looking at that quite so literally, of course, but the, um, the, the underlying principle remains that creativity was the beginning of everything, Yeah. right? And then a little while later, uh, it says that we are made, humanity, made in the image and likeness of God. Now, there can be a lot of discussions about what exactly does that mean. But one thing that it means to me very clearly that's very important is we inherit that creative ability. We are creators of worlds, and we just don't know it. 
because we're so good at it, we believe our own illusions, if you will. <laughs> so we've created, I have created a world that to me is the world. And that's why I don't understand. How come other people don't, how come they see things wrong? Why aren't you know, they living in my world? Like I do. Right. Aren't we living in the same world? Well, no. In fact, we're not living in the same world. I created mine. You created yours. You yeah. might have a little bit of overlap or a lot or very, very little. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But we're so good at it. Yeah. that we don't even know we're doing it. And so that if we could become aware or when I become aware of my creative power, I realize that, you know, being made in the image and likeness of God means that I create worlds. I don't mean the earth and the dirt and all right. that. I don't mean that I do what Genesis one is saying. I mean, I create my entire experience of, experience, of the yeah. world. And so I can create it differently. And mm-hmm. the way that I do that is I envision a different future right yeah. i conceptualize and envision a different future so we all have this ability even if you're like me you know i'd go around saying oh, i'm not very creative or you know my mom would tell me you're really creative and i would think eh, she doesn't know what she's talking about yeah i'm not actually creative all i did was take this from there that from there that from there and put it all together in this new way well, guess what that is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, we tend to think of creativity as being artsy, artistic, you know, right. traditional like a artistic. Symphony comes out of a void and it doesn't. That's just yeah. what it looks like from the outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we are all constantly creating. Um, another aspect of that power of imagination to me is this idea that... Um, in God, all things are possible, meaning that the universe is an, is a, is an infinite, how do I want to say this? The universe contains infinite possibilities, right? So, um, so it's sort of getting out of my own human ability to imagine and tapping into the divine ability to imagine, right? The, the divine imagination, which is really what our powers are, right? Our powers are tapping into the divine powers um and so and so part of imagination that really helps me is knowing that whatever my human mind is conceiving right now the possibilities are so much bigger um the god mind the divine mind sees infinitely more possibilities than i see so when i you know because i mean my human mind is limited so i'll look at a problem and i'll be like there's just no answer to this problem this just can't there's no way this could be there's no possible way for this to turn out the way I want it to, you know what I mean? And, and I'm going to lose. I'm not going to get what I want. And what I've learned is that the universe is infinite and there are endless possibilities that I can't even begin to think of. So part of it is using my own sort of human imagination and part of it is tapping into, um, you know, or being uh, availing myself of, let's say, these divine infinite possibilities that maybe I can't conceive of with my human brain, but I believe they exist. I believe that there are infinite ways for things to turn out, that there are infinite ways for my good to come to me and to all of us. Um, and so there's a there's a certain conceiving of what I think I want, but then opening it up to the bigger possibility. And what always happens is I always get so much more than I ever could have imagined. 
you know what I'm saying? My, my human ability to imagine is limited, but the divine imagination is infinite. And so it's plugging into and allowing those infinite possibilities to work through me. Yeah, I love that. And I always remember when we talk about this, that that's why we will affirm, say, say we are uh, doing a uh, affirmative prayer with using our imagination and holding a vision and we close with this or something greater to acknowledge that just the the part that I've been able to come up with is one possibility and as you were saying there's so much more that is possible that I am not aware of or maybe can't be aware of I could I could spend time and really you know, focus on expanding my concept of possibilities, and that would be a good thing to do. But um, what, what's the, the quote uh, from Jesus, with God, all things are possible, mm-hmm. right, which is uh, another way, what do we say, God is a field of infinite possibilities. Infinite possibilities that's, the, yeah. that's our new, that's our preferred new AG flavored way of saying what to me is exactly the same thing yeah i think that those two phrases are pointing at the same thing that's just me um the important part of all this for me is is that and i I think i began to touch on it that that if i don't like what i've created i can recreate something different but that doesn't mean i can just snap my fingers and my Mm -hmm. whole life has changed i mean i apparently created myself into an alcoholic bottom right and yes i can recreate it but not just by saying oh i have a better idea how about if i don't be an alcoholic and then all of a sudden it's true Boom. You know, i i can i can i can make that true in my life meaning i can live that way i'm not claiming that all of a sudden i'm immune to alcohol i stay away from it I assume that it would I, that I could recreate that problem too, right. the same way I created. Oh, but in new and time. interesting ways. <laughs> oh boy, I don't, need, I don't even want to know. Uh, and and the, the the program saying that I love best that points at this is if you walk ten miles into the woods, you got to walk ten miles out of the woods. So if it took me thirty years to really finely tune my alcoholism, you know, really become the alcoholic that I always dreamed that I wanted to be that's a joke um it's going to take some time now i i'm very glad to say it did not take 30 years right. you know so if i walk 30 miles into the woods i probably only had to walk about three to get out <laughs> you know that i take that as a, a wonderful blessing and a gift yes. from, from the universe and um it follows that principle that um you know the 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 more we experience something the better we get at it the shorter it it takes Mm -hmm. you know if it took me sort of five years to get out of a toxic relationship the next time it only took five months and then it only took five weeks and then only took five days before i realized i got to get out of here and then sometimes only takes five seconds and i don't even get started (laughs) you don't even go there because that's enough you know that's enough time to do things differently but we are going to need to uh, hold that thought get me on a roll Right, and I—I uh, I used to not be willing to say anything, and now I have trouble stopping talking sometimes. <laughs> but we're going to hold that thought, and take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope you'll stay with us. Are you?
Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back indeed. We are glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett. Here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in just a moment, but first we want to remind you that you can send us your questions, feedback, I should add criticism anytime during the week from our Facebook page. Funny jokes, those would be well received. (laughs) Spirit of Recovery, message us from there and let us know what's on your mind. Well, prior to the break, we began by discussing what that dull existence was like. And then we moved into talking about the power of imagination. So now we're going to talk about how the power of imagination has helped us move out of that dull existence into the life that we want to live. You know, first I had to ask myself, and I guess in a way I kind of do this continuously. I don't really do it formally. Although in the past, I have done it formally, kind of, you know, maybe like a journaling exercise, literally sit down in in a quiet place with a pen and some paper and ask myself the question, what is the life Mm. that I want to live? What, what, and that, that can seem overwhelming. And so one way I found it easy to start is let me just describe my immediate surroundings. Like what does my, the room that I love in my house best, what does that room look like meaning what does it have in it Mm -hmm. Uh, what is my home like apartment house or whatever Um, you know I I live in Columbia South Carolina I guess it'd be called the suburbs you know in a neighborhood full of single family homes and so I could ask well what does my yard look like what am I I can tell you I saw it and it's nice (laughs) (laughs) what do my gardens look like you know where am I going to put my hot tub you know, I might have asked myself that many, many years ago, but just to begin to imagine, and I have done that, you know, there was a time I was deep into music playing and, and writing and all of that. And I had a vision of a, like a recording studio in my home, which was no big deal at the time, because everything had gone computer. And so that just means you have, you know, some instruments and a big desk and a computer and, and a keyboard and, you know, a handful of things like that, some speakers. Um, But, you know, it needed to be isolated and private and dedicated space. And so I drew on a piece of paper, you know, kind of a top down, I drew what my music room would look like. And Uh we were at that time, uh, Mrs. Beckett and I were living in a very small apartment in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And there was no space, you know, for some, I had a dedicated corner of a, of a room, but my vision was an entire dedicated space. And so I drew it and I even started to look around like, man, man, could I rent 
would it, can I find a cheap place to rent? And that could be it. And, you know, I ended up doing nothing. Well, fast forward, um, what might've been a couple of years, maybe three years, um, we had, we had finally bought a house, you know, we moved, we had another apartment, I got a job that paid better. We bought a small house. Well, in that house was a third floor, like attic refinished with carpet and stuff. And so I was like, oh, look, I can set all my stuff up. And I did. Yeah. And, and I forgot about my vision and my drawing. And then I found my drawing and I looked at it like, this is exactly oh, what I have wow. right now. Wow. I just didn't make the connection. Yeah. And so anyway, that's a, w- a way to use imagination that I have used imagination. I'm just asking myself, what is the life I want to live in? And, and don't put any limits on it. Don't say, well, you know, I can't live in Peru. That's, you know, too expensive or this right. or that or what. No, don't do that. Just if, if all limits were released, if you had all resources available to you, forget about all the rest of that. What just use a vision. What, what is the life that you want to live? Start with your surroundings. What do you do for work? What relationships mm-hmm. do you have? Where do you go for, on vacation or for fun, etc.? Yeah. So what I hear you describing is that you use the power of your imagination to conceive of this thing that you wanted and the universe heard that, so to speak, but it took time for all the various things that needed to happen to come, you know, into, um, into play or, you know, before that vision finally took, um, took actual form. So it went from the formless to the form, but, but it took time. There had to be sort of in between. So I was thinking about like um, that. One of the things that I used my power of imagination for, for many, many years as a single woman was imagining the kind of marriage that I wanted. You know, I had this idea of, um, you know, a friendly, easygoing, fun marriage where I could joke around with my husband and we could do a lot of outdoorsy things together. And we would, you know, have a, a, a real good friendship. I had, you know, I had these ideas of this marriage and um, <laughs> it took a really, really long time. And I had, but so there was a lot of things that had to happen before that could uh, manifest in the f- world of form, right? So we can use our power of imagination, but sometimes spirit has a lot of curriculum that we need to go through before that thing can create right so it seemed to me that it was never going to happen and I went through a lot of relationships that were maybe pieces of what I wanted but were never the whole picture and I had to do a lot a lot of work right I had to do a lot I had to go through some pretty difficult things I had to do some tough counseling some tough you know looking at things and dealing with things there was a lot of work on my part that I had to do but now I realize that I sort of have that marriage that I had imagined you know it's not perfect by any stretch as no relationship is but um the the piece that I'm focusing on is that like sometimes with bigger things like that we don't just imagine them and then they come true like sometimes there's work that has to be done in order for ourselves to be able to bring that thing forth do you know what I mean like you had to go through various house changes and such and um, I had to go through a lot of work on my own part before that could happen so I only say that because you know 
it's not like we just imagine something and it shows up. Maybe some things might work that way, but um, the bigger, more important things in life, sometimes, you know, there's really a lot of clearing away, had to clear away a lot of um, things that were standing between me and that thing that I had imagined. But the power of imagination that we're talking about today is the fact that I could even conceive of a relationship like that in my mind. That, you know, that was a divine idea, sort of. That was a divine idea of what a marriage could be like in my life. And then I had to do all these things before that could actually create in my life. Yeah, that's reminding me of when I was first taught sort of formally um, uh, Unity's prosperity principles, particularly around what some of us call manifesting things, goal setting is what I'd heard it called, that there is a critical step in a goal, in a goal setting process is, certainly you, we want a vision uh, with as much clarity and detail as you can possibly have of whatever it is that I want to do, be, or have, but then I need to ask in prayer, what is it that I need to change about myself in order for this to become my reality? And yeah, there are things that I needed to change about myself for the music room to become my reality. And even if I didn't, you know, carry it folded up in my wallet and look at it every day, I personally have not found that particular approach helpful. I know it's very helpful for many to kind of keep revisiting the goals, keep the vision alive. I I tend to, I find that I can envision something, throw it, throw it in the pot and keep stirring and then all of a sudden I forgot about it and it comes and it comes out um, but it does take time and I'd heard about relationships the advice was given if you want to find the perfect mate get a piece of paper and make a list of all the qualities that you want that mate to I have. did that <laughs> and then and then you achieve all those things yeah right and when you when you have all those things for yourself then that will come to be i like that i like that approach because you know like like much of what we do as as whether we see ourselves as christian mystics or you know unity people or progressive spiritual people or whatever is that um we turn within to find our way forward and if i'm sort of looking around the world saying where is my perfect music room or my perfect mate i'm looking outside of myself and that's fine for the step one, the imagination part, but then the work is always internal. Yes. Right? And I, that's what I was hearing as you described. You, you just basically shared, you, there are things that you needed to do. You didn't even know what they were. Right. And that's okay. You know, it's like a curriculum. You sign up for it, but you know, but you signed up for it, right? You had the vision. That's the imagination is, is creating the, um, the, the sort of the mountaintop that we're walking towards, so to speak, one foot in front of the other, and we'll get there. Yeah, the reason I thought it was important to mention that is because there's a lot of secular versions of what we're talking about. And I'm talking about things like the secret, the law of attraction, you know, and, and I, I'm not, I haven't gotten too deeply into those things. But when, when we're looking at the secular versions of them, um, I think that there tends to be a lot of like, well, you know, all you have to do is imagine it and, and you can create it and it's going to just, you know, appear in your life. And, and that has not been my experience. It's not been my experience. And I think it's because, well, I think it's because that's 
it's not how it works. But when when we when we take those concepts out of their spiritual context, they get sort of um, skewed a little bit. So spiritually, for me, what it means is, you know, I can imagine something that I want, but the universe or God or spirit knows the work that I need to do before I can create that thing, you know, and um, that might be weeks or it might be years, you know, but that's the spiritual journey for me. Um, But it's that planting of the seed of the idea that I could even conceive of something wonderful like that for myself. That's that power of imagination. But it's not a straight shot from conceiving of it to creating it. There's sometimes quite a lot of bit of work in there, but that to me, that's, that is the spiritual path, right? You know, I was thinking of Emily Cady, who I love so much. And in Lessons in Truth, she talks about that when we have a desire for something in our lives, it's because that thing, in a, instead of us wanting that thing, that thing is wanting to come to us. That thing is already headed towards us in some cosmic way. It's already coming towards us, and that's what's creating the desire for it. I love that because it sort of flips it on its head, that it's not like I want this thing, and then the, and then I'm going to sort of attract it to me. My wanting of that thing is because it's already meant for me. It is my good that is meant for me. And so it's just a little bit different of a way to conceive of it, but there's there's a there could be a vast expanse between that thing heading towards me and my ability to receive it. Right. So I can envision this amazing marriage all day long, but if I don't have the ability to receive that, if I don't have the ability to receive that kind of love, that kind of friendship, if I don't have the ability to be that kind of partner myself, it ain't going to come to me. You know what I'm saying? It it may be on its way, but I'm not ready for it. So I don't know if those, the secret law of attraction, I don't know whether they get into that kind of thing, but be ready to do the work to be able to receive the good that you are imagining. You know, it's nothing comes for free in this life. We have to spiritually work for the things that we want to create. Right. We kind of have to clear away anything that might be blocking us or release anything that is standing in our way, you know, and and the anything uh, ultimately it's, it's false beliefs, you know, beliefs that are not of God or, or what the film was called error thought. Right. Right. And I, and, I, and I was reminded from what you were sharing that um, Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore, Mr. Fillmore, said that desire is the onward impulse of the ever-evolving soul. Mm. That those things like, I want to go to Hawaii. I want to live by the ocean. I want to, um, you know, have a, a, a job in this field that I just think is so fun and exciting. Those desires are calling us forward. And what I have found is that why the reasons that I think that I want those things or the reasons that I think I'm attracted to or being called forward by those things, that's just the, it's, it's either just the tip of the iceberg or it becomes completely irrelevant when I actually follow it and discover why I'm actually doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't, I don't even know. So I, I hadn't thought about this to prepare, but you and I answered a call to ministry, right? Which is kind of a big deal. I don't even remember what I thought I was going to be doing, but I guarantee (laughs) you what I am doing, it was nowhere on my radar at (laughs) all. Not at all. 
yet I answered the call. I moved forward. You know, I think I wanted to be the, you know, sort of the touring speaker, writer, workshop leader approach. And I, and it, and, and I wanted nothing to do with pulpit ministry. Well, guess what I'm doing? I'm now five years into pulpit ministry and moving to my next church as a pulpit minister. Well, apparently this is what I'm called to do, but I had no idea. Anyway, desire is the onward impulse of the ever-evolving soul, and we need to respond to those desires and apply our spiritual tools and be okay saying, you know, it's okay if I can take a trip to Hawaii. It's okay if I change careers and become the thing that I always thought would be cool to do in the world. Yes, of course you can do all of those things and then it will continue to unfold. But if I just sit and stuck and say, oh, well, you know, that'll never happen. People in my yeah. family don't go to college or whatever yeah. it is I'm telling myself that's keeping me from pursuing those things. I am going to be stuck, but I say, just, just get up and do, uh, you know, answer that call, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I mean, even the fact that we have that stirring in our soul for that thing to me means that in some way that thing is already for us. Now it may not look exactly the way we thought it was going to, but like I say, instead of us reaching out to that thing, it's really that that thing is reaching for us. You know, that thing that is meant for us, that good that is meant for us in our life is sort of knocking at the door of our souls, you know, saying, hello, you know, and and that's what sets us on that path. Um, So when you talked about the call to ministry, and I thought that was another example for me where I felt that stirring in my soul. I felt that this was some good that, you know, was, and I say, I call it good because I think when we're doing what our passion is or what our calling is, that is a form of our good right that's always our good our good doesn't have to be you know stuff or people or cars or things like that our good can be having the opportunity to do something we have passion for um between that stirring in my soul and the actual fruition of it there was a whole heck of a lot of work that I had to do that was another example you know in fact I clearly had a I had a uh sit down you know, with God, when I felt that calling and said, okay, you do realize who you're calling, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and I knew, I knew that there was going to be a whole lot of work that I needed to do and continue to need to do in order for this to be my life. So um, again, that's just a reminder, but those, but that, those things that I need, needed to do and continue to need to do, those are my spiritual path. It's not like, oh, I got to do this now. I mean, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's the whole reason that thing was calling to me in the first place is because this is the work that I was meant to be doing. So, um, but there were many years of hard work between the uh, initial feeling that I was being called to that and it actually coming to fruition so but again had I not the power of imagination I could never have even conceived of being able to step into this role you know it was the ability that I could sort of see myself five years down the road more expanded more conscious more aware more you know all of these things even though I wasn't there yet it was that ability that I could imagine that I could be that that's that power of imagination, imagining something bigger and greater and more expansive for ourselves is how we use that power. 
Yeah, and then just and do what in the program we call the next right thing or you exactly. the next indicated thing, the 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 step that's right in front of us. Right. I, I'm I'm remembering how important it is to be willing to be bold. Yes. Right? There's a phrase that I love, divine audacity. Mm-hmm. Divine audacity. That's that's the answer to who do you think you are, you know. Mr. Fancy gonna live in New York City yeah. or whatever the goal <laughs> might be is that we can all have divine audacity. We can be audacious in our goals. And so I made up a silly example. So if, say if I eat my lunch at McDonald's every day and I'm really tired of that and I aspire to, you know, tomorrow I'm gonna eat my lunch at Wendy's. You know, that <laughs> I could I could see that as an upgrade. But what I'm talking about being audacious is I'm going to have my own fine dining restaurant. That's where I want to go from. I'm sick of eating McDonald's, not to I'll eat at Wendy's, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to own my own ridiculously successful fine dining uh, restaurant. I don't care if I don't know anything about food, anything about restaurants. It doesn't matter. You know, I, I own a small software company now. That's what I do in the world. I've done software forever. Even when I was playing music, I was doing software part-time. And I worked for a software company some years ago, and I really wanted to own a software company, but I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then I decided, oh, well, maybe I could buy this small company that I'm working for. Like, where did that idea come from? I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't know anything about that, like nothing. I had to go literally pay an attorney to tell me, how do you buy a company? You know, that was my question. And he explained, you know, well, okay, you do this. And he explained, it's basically like a one page document. I'm like, okay, shit, I can, I didn't know that I can do that. And so I approached the owners with my little one page description that he told me how to do it. And I did it. Did I didn't have any money. I offered a price. I don't have any money. I had debt. And I'm (laughs) saying, I want to buy your company for this much money. And those guys looked at me like, what (laughs) they knew how little i knew but i didn't know and i didn't care and i'm going to tell you what happened is i bought that company at a price i could afford how on earth that happens i can't tell you but that's a real that is a true real life example of what happened to me because i was willing to have divine audacity and say i want this thing and i don't care what anybody says like how are you going to get there from here you don't even know about this you didn't even finish business school you know any of those excuses or i didn't care it didn't matter and it worked out different than i thought yes but it worked if it's for us then i believe the universe will show us how to get there Yes. So uh, once again, it's time to shift gears. I just glanced at the clock and had a minor panic. It's We've said a whole lot about this topic. So let's step way back if we can and see if we can find a concise way to sum it up. And we do this, of course, as we do each week by putting Reverend Michelle on, on the uh, in the spotlight, right on the spot. If someone came to you and uh, said something like, you know, people say things to me like it's just your imagination. You know, as if that means that it's nothing, it's a wisp of smoke, it doesn't exist because it's, quote, just your imagination. So how can those things that are, quote, just my imagination help me change my life if it's all just made up anyway? 
I mean, I'm just going to go back to what I was just starting to say is that I just believe that there are things that are for us in the universe, maybe not in their exact form, but, you know, you were meant to have that experience of having that software company. I was meant to, you know, have this marriage or have, you know, and so when that tapping on our soul comes from that thing saying, hey, what about this? that thing is going to be for us. It may not look the way we thought it was going to, but if we stay on the spiritual path and we do the next thing in front of us, we allow the universe to guide us each step of the way, what we need to do. We stay close to God and use prayer and meditation. Then we will be on the path toward that thing in whatever form it's going to look like. And it may take some time, but if it wasn't for us in some way, it wouldn't be knocking on the door of our soul yeah, in the first and it place. Won't, and it won't become, right. but if it does, yeah, I love that. Um, I'm reminded of Unity's third principle, which uh, states we are co-creators with God, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. And two things jump out about that for me today, actively creating our world. It's an action, actively creating our world through thoughts held in mind. Thoughts in mind are, quote, nothing, right? They don't, you can't measure them with a ruler. They don't exist in a sense, in the physical world, right? But they are the core of everything. Just like our principle of divine order says, everything unfolds the same way. Mind, idea, expression. From the mind of God or from the universe comes the idea, which is a non-material thing. Only then can we actually see it in the world. If I want to make a chair, I think, oh, I want to make a chair. And then I hold this image in my head of chair. And then I actually make a chair. Yes. Awesome. Well, as always, we have an affirmation for you. And today our affirmation is this. I hold a vision of the good unfolding in every area of my life. And I allow it to become my reality. Once again, I hold a vision of the good unfolding in every area of my life and I allow it to become my reality. Let's say amen. Amen. After that. Well, it's happened again. You've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to Spirit of Recovery and we're grateful that you have. We sincerely hope that you found something in all of our babbling today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery. Thank you, Reverend Michelle, as always, for our discussion. And thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Yes, and listeners, as always, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Throughout the week, you can drop us your thoughts and comments and feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. And until then, don't drink like my co-host. And whatever you do, don't drink like my co-host. Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa. 
and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa one to get that information. I answer audience questions and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts.